Some of the topics discussed on Blackbird, an advocacy podcast, are difficult to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Uh, As always, I'm your host, Sarah, and I have my beautiful co-host, Dan, with me. Good evening. Oh, it's very proper. Yes. (laughs) You should be wearing... um, like a top hat and like a bow tie and a cane. I am. Like Mr. Peanut. Yes. Yeah. And a monocle. You, oh, yes. You have to have the monocle. I don't know where you get a monocle these days. Do they have monocle stores? Probably eBay. Yes. You are 100% right. <laughs> I guarantee they're on eBay. And they're probably crazy expensive. I don't know. I feel like you can probably get like a, like a cheap one. Mmm. Maybe like a costume style, like yeah. how we have, you know, women have costume jewelry that's supposed to like look like real jewelry, but it's like $5. Right. You probably get like a costume jewelry-esque monocle. Let's see. Oh, you're going to look it up? I'm going to look it up. Okay. Nope, that didn't work at all. Oh. This is banter. This is banter. This is banter. We're not supposed to do this. No. This is definitely banter. I would actually be upset about it. We're this. actually over a minute into our banter. Practical utility monocle lens pendant 6X magnifier coin engraving. $3.01 on eBay. <laughs> See? Dude, there are monocles everywhere. But it's probably an auction. It probably just started. And yeah. for some reason, it's probably going to go up to like $100 randomly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, should we just get into the case The today? point that everyone is here? Yeah. What people tuned in for? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Arf. Dino would like to join the conversation. Karen Epstein monocle, black and white fashion, photographic portrait, feminist power, $1,200. Oh, that's appropriate. Feminist power is expensive. <laughs> okay. We're, we're just going to get into the case because hey. now we're at... We're now, oh, we're doing a show? Now we're Oops. at two minutes of banter. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm going to get... Many comments about it. Right. Hi, I'm your lovely host, Sarah. With me, as always, is Dan. Hey. <laughs> Dan's in a mood. Yep. I'm tired. It's, it's late. It's foggy. You took a nap today. Yeah, that's why I'm tired. Oh, okay. Okay, we're at two and a half minutes. All right, let's do this. So, in Minisode 8, we brought you all the information we knew at the time about the discovery of Black Lives Matter activist Oluwatoyin Salu. Since then, so much more has been uncovered regarding her abduction, murder, and the murder of the woman found with her, Victoria Sims. Today, we bring you episode 15, The Murders of Toyin Salu and Victoria Sims. On June 6th, 2020, Toyin Salu an incredibly vocal and fierce activist, wrote a series of tweets alleging she had been sexually assaulted that morning. She explained in these tweets the time and location in which this crime took place, citing the exact address. She said she had been picked up by a man who told her he would bring her to the church where she had been seeking refuge to pick up her belongings. He told her she could come back to his place to have a hot shower and to rest. She said in her tweets that he deceived her and acted as if he was a godly man, but instead took advantage of her 
and sexually assaulted her around 5.30 a.m. While the man slept, she was able to escape and file a police report. Later that day, Toyin's family said they had not heard from her, nor had they seen any more activity on her Twitter account, and they became extremely suspicious that something had happened to her. They filed a missing persons report and awaited answers. On June 13th, 2020, one week after Toyin was reported missing, police uncovered two bodies in Tallahassee at a home on Monday Road. Two days later, it was confirmed that one of those bodies was that of Toyin Salu. The other body discovered was that of 75-year-old AARP volunteer Victoria Sims. So when this was first reported, that was literally all the information that we had. And there was so much speculation of how did these women wind up together? How did they, did they even know each other? Did the perpetrator know them? Did he just find them? What, what happened? How were these two women connected? Right, because they certainly don't appear to be connected. No. At first glance. A 19-year-old black college student and a 75-year-old white AARP, right. you know, retiree. Right. Those aren't exactly the people you would think run in the same circle. Right. We will get into how they were connected, but it just, at first glance, this seemed like such an odd sure. pairing. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, you usually we'll see that like a lot of killers will have like a particular type um, you know, this clearly was all over the map. Right. Already, yeah. Right. So, you know, what happened? Then there was also the speculation of was Toyin's killer the person who sexually assaulted her that morning? Did he know that she was tweeting about him and find her and yeah, I mean, that would be my first thought. Right. Of exactly. Yeah. So there was a lot of speculation surrounding the details of the case. And not a lot, not a lot had been reported. I mean, literally she went missing and then a week later they found her body. So it was, there wasn't even like a lot of time in between for um, any information to come out about her being missing. You know, usually we start hearing about missing persons I don't know, like weeks after they've gone missing, like they, they become high profile. Mm -hmm. Like if it's been weeks that we don't, that we don't hear about them or, and we'll get a little more into this. The fact that she was a black woman, mm -hmm. a young black woman, there wasn't a lot of media attention surrounding that. Right. And where was this? This she was Flo Florida, Florida, Tallahassee. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that kind of, raised flags of were the police really doing their jobs? Right. Like we talk about. Seems to be a reoccurring. In pretty much every... I promise we're not doing this on purpose. No, we're not. We're not. Um, believe me, there are going to be cases... I mean, we talked about one case yeah. where the, where where the officers were did the right job. phenomenal yeah. Yeah. in that. Um, 
there are cases out there. There are officers out there who are doing good and are doing their jobs and are in the profession because they want to serve and protect. Right. For the right reasons. Correct. Not and, just to get power and get paid. Right. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, in a lot of these cases, we see, you know, it, it's and it's not necessarily the officers themselves. I mean, obviously, there are bad officers. We've, we've been seeing plenty of that. But it's a system yeah, issue. Absolutely. It's a systematic issue. Totally. There's something going on with the system. Yeah, absolutely. So we can't always just blame the the individual officers unless, you know, we see video like what happened with George Floyd or, or things like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but the majority of this is, is, a, is a failure of the system as a whole. Absolutely. It, it, there, there's there's got to be more done logistically yeah management is super important i talk about this at my job all the time how important management is and how important it is not to have a complete lack of management if you let people do whatever the hell they want they're going to do whatever the hell they want right <laughs> yeah exactly so exactly. in this case yeah if you if you encourage behavior like what we've been seeing in a lot of these horrible cases lately or just if you don't heavily, heavily, and specifically discourage it, then you are encouraging it. Right. And it's going to happen. And right. it's going to happen consistently. And the worst part is when this stuff gets covered up. And that's the biggest systematic problem in law enforcement, is that there's this tradition of the blue wall, you know, the blue line, yep. covering the stuff up. Right. So, of course, they're going to continue to behave like this. Right. And the problem is when you have a system that has established a tradition of encouraging this behavior you can you can take someone who wouldn't otherwise have done it and make them do it yeah exactly you know just like if you're at a job and you have a guy who in a more structured environment would be a great employee but you put him into a job where you know his boss is a dick to him every day he's going to be a shit employee yeah that's just how it, that's just how it how it is yeah. you know yep and if you don't fire him, then he's just going to be a shit employee forever. Right. And you're going to have a crap manager who's not getting their employees in line. Right. And it's the same thing with law enforcement or any kind of any kind of institution yeah, yes. where there's some kind of oversight that just isn't doing the job. It's Correct. a systematic failure. Correct. And unfortunately, we see on this podcast all the time how that failure to regulate the system can cause real harm. 100%. So... What led investigators to finding the bodies of Toyin and Victoria was not the investigation to find Toyin, but the investigation to find Victoria. Yeah, of course, they're looking for the white lady. Exactly. On June 13th, a missing persons report was submitted to local authorities for Victoria Sims. A neighbor had gone to check on Victoria at her home and found the front door to her apartment ajar... And when she entered, found her apartment had been ransacked. And this was two days after Victoria was reportedly last seen. The neighbor reported this immediately, and thus the investigation into finding Victoria began. They traced Victoria's phone, and it led authorities to the location where the bodies were ultimately found. The GPS indicated the phone was within 50 feet of this location. And when authorities arrived, they found Victoria's white Toyota stuck in the mud. 
The location was the home of Aaron Glee Jr., a 49-year-old garbage human. Yeah. And I don't mean a sanitation worker. <laughs> I mean a creature that belongs in the trash. But um, Thank you. I thought that was funny. It was good. Well done. I've been also in talks with Dan about what I should change, because I don't like calling these people human beings, like, at all. I don't like... I don't think that they are human beings. There's there's something not Broken, right with them. Something there's different. Right. So I've been on the on a mission to change what I call them. I definitely want to stick with garbage because they they're garbage. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to call them human. So like I'm trying to I was playing around with like garbage creature. But like sometimes when I think of creatures I think they're like, cute cute little creatures yeah. you know so like i don't know i need like a different word so if you guys can help me out with with a, a good word to use in place of human um because again i don't see them as humans um and i'm sure you've heard me say many people on this podcast are garbage mm -hmm. people or <laughs> whatever it is so find a word for me comment below exactly so according to court documents, quote, it appeared as though the driver was attempting to drive north of the stopping location, but was unsuccessful. There was a white sheet covering the rear of the vehicle, including the license plate. The license plate was bent upward as though attempting to conceal the vehicle's identity. That's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. You show up at a house where like, a missing persons report just like sent you and then you find her vehicle hanging out there and it's the license plate is covered yeah but it's like the whole back of the truck was covered by a sheet or yeah just the license plate well the whole the whole back of it was that's covered. just weird <laughs> like why not just pull the license plate off i don't know i mean he, maybe he was in a rush yeah i, I mean it's pretty easy he's a moron yeah He's a garbage thing. It's a garbage thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm glad that you picked up on the fact that they seem to be searching for the white woman. Yeah. More so than they were searching for the black woman. Yeah. Because that's what I wrote in my notes to... Uh, Point that out. To discuss that with you. Because... Again, like, there was just... There was so much outrage that that Toyin was a young black woman and that nobody would seem to be looking for her. Right. And there was no media attention on her that she was missing. Right. You know, there was no real media attention on Victoria either. Um, from what I could see, but the fact that a 19 year old went missing after saying she had just been sexually assaulted, like, wouldn't you think that that's kind of a major, Thing? Yeah. Well, there's like the uh, there's the the scene in Simpsons. I don't know if you've ever seen, where the newscaster is is saying something about you know they're looking for a missing a missing little girl. Uh, I, I think her name was uh, Cindy Gunderson, and everyone's like, oh. And he says, no, wait, sorry, that's Gutierrez. And they're like, oh. Oh, I've heard about that, but yeah. right, exactly, exactly. Like they hear, oh, okay, she's probably a little white girl, or right. I mean, on the Simpsons, they're they're all yellow. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, four-fingered um, yellow creatures. But, um, 
Yeah, she's supposedly a little white girl. Yeah, and then, everyone was upset. And then, and then they found out, they found out she's Hispanic. Girl. And then like, they're like, oh, oh, well. No one cares. We don't care about her. Yeah. And it's it's true. And it's so disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Black girl goes missing in North Florida. No one cares. No. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and, you know, on another on another podcast, um, not that they listen to us, but I'm going to give a shout out to them anyway. Um, Jensen and Holes, the murder squad, because I'm obsessed with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everyone go listen to them. Um, and that would be awesome if either of them listens to us ever. That'd be cool. That'd be super cool. Because people like know who they are. People. And nobody knows who we are. No. <laughs> people know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, They've been on like TV and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so Billy Jensen, he used to be um, an investigative reporter and he covered a lot of, you know, high profile crimes. And he talks a lot about um, how, you know, the top of the list for for media to like go out and look for um, any sort of information they can get is having to do with um, a white woman usually like a mother you know if you see like a white mother has gone missing (laughs) they're all over it right um or a little white child usually a little white girl yes they're all over it but he said that literally the 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 lowest on that totem pole are black transgender people yeah and not that not that toyin was transgender but people of color have always been yep. seen as less than. Yep. Absolutely. So even even today. So so removed from the times when, you know, it was like they were legally less than. Yeah. Even even now we there's still this air in society. Exactly. That considers them less important and less of a priority. And now so I couldn't find a lot of information about um like the full, you know, investigation and full full police report but obviously they found them because they tracked victoria's phone um now toyin had tweeted that she didn't have her phone but i'm going to assume since she was tweeting she had found her she had gone back to and got her phone and then was able to to tweet these messages so i'm wondering did they try to track her phone or were they taking their time with her you know what I mean? Because Victoria was reported missing days after Toyin was reported missing. But they were found together. Right. And you'll hear when each of them was ultimately murdered. Okay. So we have a time frame where, you know, Toyin is missing, 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 missing. Then Victoria is reported missing. So Toyin's been missing for, you know, a few days already. Then Victoria goes missing. Yet they found, they got information for Victoria like that. Mm-hmm. And for Toyin, who had been missing for days prior, they only found her because of their investigation for Victoria. Right. Right. It's so like bonus victim. Right. So... 
And and obviously, like, they weren't expecting Victoria and Toyin to be together. They weren't expecting Victoria and Toyin to know each other, to have any sort of connection. Mm-hmm. So they weren't going into that crime scene expecting to find Toyin. Right, right. They were thinking, okay, we're... We tracked her phone. We found her vehicle. Victoria's probably here. Or was here. They're not thinking, we're probably going to find that 19-year-old black girl. You know what I mean? If if they were even cognizant of the fact that there was a 19-year-old black girl missing. They definitely were, because they did post her missing missing person um, poster. Like the department did. Correct. But not necessarily like the officers who found Victoria... No, I don't know. I I don't know yeah, they if they were no on idea. the same if they were the same pe- detectives on the diff- the two different cases. No, I understand. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know, and that's right. so that's what I would want to know. I would want to know how extensive, and obviously we're never going to find that out. No. But how extensive was their investigation into finding Toyin versus their the extent of their investigation to find Victoria? Right. I mean, we can speculate. Right. <laughs> Which is really all we can do. Yep, in any of, of these things. Yep. But, you know, based on what we're hearing, what we're seeing, it kind of leads me to believe that they took Victoria's case a little bit more seriously. Yep. Like, it's a safe assumption. And to be honest with you, Toyin was a 19-year-old black girl who... Not that she was known to, like, run away, but she was known to have a difficult life at home and was constantly bouncing around for different, from shelter to shelter, church to church, for different refuge uh, places. So, they're also probably thinking, oh, she's probably just a runaway. Yeah. Yeah, we see that happen all too often with, mm-hmm. with homeless people in particular. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just generally, like, people who live freer lives. Yes. The police tend to say, like, oh, you don't have a house in a neighborhood with kids and three meals a day and all that stuff. And a white picket fence. Then you're just not a priority for us. We just don't care about you because you don't do what we expect you to do. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't cater to society's right. vision. Right. So, you're probably off doing things that are seen as seedy. Right. Victoria's body was found in the bedroom of the house located on Monday Road, covered with a blood-soaked blanket. Her wrists and ankles were bound behind her back. When a police dog arrived, Toyin's body was discovered in the woods behind the rented home about 200 feet from the house. As they investigated the property more, a cell phone began to ring from inside a trash can. And inside the trash can, they found a black cell phone with a black case, along with Victoria's driver's license. Sorry, driver license. Not very good. (laughs) Well, we don't know in Florida. One report said driver's license, but I'm gonna, I mean, I could look that up. Dan's on it. Yeah. They also found a spent bullet casing embedded in the dirt driveway and a credit card on the barbecue, along with a $10 bill on a path leading from Victoria's Toyota to Toyin's body in the woods. And I just think all of that is really weird. 
Like, did he just, like, take the stuff out of her purse or something and just start throwing it around? Like, how did a credit card wind up on the barbecue? How did a $10 bill wind up on the ground? Like, especially when the other things were thrown in the garbage. Yeah, and, like, was there... Was she there alive? And was there a struggle where he... Where the purse went flying? Right. Because, obviously, it's not the kind of thing where he needed to like rob her dig through the purse or whatever to, to get the stuff where the credit cards would have been used yep um so is that potentially signs of the struggle that's where she was taken right we'll find out mm. did you look up driver license yes it's driver license in, in florida, florida. yeah so it's okay. like here so driver license yep now people were outraged when Toyin went missing, assuming the police were not taking her case seriously because she was a young black woman and because the media was not giving this case the attention it deserved. So much has come out about Toyin since the discovery of her body and people are still demanding justice for her as they believe more could and should have been done after she filed her initial sexual assault report on June 6th. We now know due to further investigation by police of the murder of Toyin, that on June 8th, Toyin sought emergency shelter as she had so many times before. Riddled with past sexual assault experiences, one only having reportedly happened just days prior to the June 6th sexual assault, and the claim by Toyin that she had been part of a sex trafficking ring, Toyin always tried to find safe places to reside for a little while. And according to the Kearney Center, which is a, or Kearney? I knew someone that spelled their name like that, but they were Kearney. K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. Kearney? I'm going to say Kearney. Kearney. Sure. According to the Kearney Center, which is an emergency temporary shelter in Tallahassee, Toyin arrived around 9.30 p.m. They provided Toyin with a phone number to seek shelter elsewhere as the facility was closed due to coronavirus precautions. Toyin called an Uber and left, and the Kearney Center says it has no record of her attempting to reach out via the phone number provided. On June 9th, police posted a missing person report for Toyin on their social media, including a flyer stating she was last seen on June 6th. Police say they spoke with the Kearney Center the next day regarding Toyin having sought shelter there. So the police get the missing person report on June 6th. And Toyin went to this shelter two days later. Yet they were still saying that she had been missing since June 6th. And I'm going to go over like more of a timeline in a little while because there's there are things that just aren't adding up in this timeline. So it's just it's it's some of it is very weird to me and um, I don't really know what to what to make of it. So maybe you can make something of it. I'll give it a shot. It's <laughs> kind of what I'm here for. And uh, also a friend stated that they could have gotten DNA from the location where she was reportedly part of the sex trafficking ring. Um, because I believe she filed a police report. The friend said that police were there 
And they, like, didn't do anything about the fact that she was, like, reported, rep you know, reporting that she was sexually assaulted in, in human trafficking at this particular location. And this was, like, well before this happened. And the police didn't seem to, like, do anything. Mm -hmm. Which is weird. I feel like that should be more of a red flag in Tallahassee. <laughs> like it's not like this is you know miami where like maybe you know people go missing you know it's uh or like new york city or something like that like tallahassee come on yeah i don't know i don't know what the statistics are in tallahassee i don't know if they're one of the major cities i'll bet you they're lower than miami uh, yes they're probably lower than miami but um but yeah i mean you know there's the, we just hear so much in this story that like there are so many things that could have gone better. Yes. Mm. And, you know, it's not to say that, that any of these things would have prevented Toyin from her ultimate demise, but the system just kept failing her like over yeah. and over and over and over. And the fact that she again went to seek refuge at a shelter and the shelter turned her away because of coronavirus. Yeah. Like, there... It, like, there's got to be some mechanism in place for dealing with that. Well, they <sighs> said that she was... That they gave her a phone number. She was supposed to call a case manager. And the case manager would, like, refer her somewhere. Okay. But, like, how many people do you think are actually doing that? Right. You know? Like, why don't you just call for them right there? Exactly. Just be like, hey, we're going to give this place a call. Like, if you go to an auto parts store and they don't have something, they're like, hey, let me call the store down the, in mm -hmm. the other town. Right. Yeah, they've got it. Right. I'll, I'll have, tell them to hold it for you. Right. Do you need directions? Exactly. But when a, when a person in need of help goes to a shelter, they're just like, here, have a number. Right. Good luck. And, like, and can't you just pick up your phone and call the number and say, hey, I have a person here in need of help. Where can they go? Yeah. And exactly that, like... She came seeking shelter, and they were just like, oh, here's a phone number. Bye. Right. Get in your Uber. Right. Like, she doesn't have a car. She probably doesn't have a cell phone. Like, this is a person in need. <laughs> well, she, she, le she left in an Uber. Uh-huh. So I'm assuming she called it with her cell phone. Right. But my point is, like, you can't you but, can't know that these people have access to this stuff. Well, right. You they're can't, walking in off the streets to a shelter. You can't know that. And... and <sighs> I know it's probably out of their pay grade <laughs> um, because these shelters are, are nonprofits, but you're there for the safety of these these people. Yeah. And to just let her leave. Right. That's not safe. It's not safe. <laughs> it just and, and, you know, like I've worked for nonprofits and yes. I've talked to you about how. <sighs> they just don't have the resources. They, they don't. They don't have the resources, and the people that they get to work there sometimes just don't care because they're not getting paid enough. Yeah, absolutely. Or the hours are crappy, and it's the only shift they can get, so mm -hmm. they're just like, mm -hmm. I don't really care. And the care. work is hard. It's yeah. not glorified. No. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, so... You know, like any profession, there are people who go into it for the right reasons, and right. there are people who go into it because they're like, I just need a job. Yep. Especially with something like that. Like, you can say that, you know, people will join certain 
government agencies because the pay is very good and they're just doing it for the money. Yeah. They don't really give a crap about doing the job well. They just want the money. But then when you look at something like a nonprofit, a shelter, something like that, not only do they maybe not want to do the job because the job sucks, but they're also not getting paid very much. Yeah. So, like, there's nothing to motivate them to give a crap. Right. Right. So, it just, like, that whole scenario bothers me. And it's another systematic failure. It's another, yeah, like, what is the... There should be protocol in place. Like, okay. And there should be continuing reassessment. Like, hey, we screwed this year up because we clearly <laughs> didn't have the resources for this. Maybe next year we'll do better. Right. But it's been this way for decades. Right. Like, who not anyone sitting around looking at the situation and thinking, wow, this kind of sucks. Right. Let's try to make this better. Like, okay, I'm going to give an example of, of a case that I went went on for the nonprofit that I volunteer with, which I love. This is not the nonprofit that I'm talking about that is, like, mm -hmm. full of people who just don't care. This, this nonprofit is full of all the people who care. Like, it's incredible the... the the passion that these people have. Um, but anyway, so I went on a case. Um, the victim was um, seeking a safe place to stay. So um, this nonprofit that I volunteer with has a safe home. And so um, the social worker and I called the hotline to see if there were any available um, beds in the safe home that night for the for the patient. They told us no. And they kept asking if the patient felt safe. And we were like, no, she does not feel safe. We have to get her somewhere so that she can feel safe. Like, we can't just leave her. Right, like that's, yeah. <laughs> so... They called around to different counties. They literally couldn't find any close by that had beds available, which is really sad that, yes. like, they were fill full. Like, it's yeah, just... definitely. Um, and this is before coronavirus, so... So we can't leave her... We can't let her leave without knowing that she has a safe place to go. So she says to us, you know... We, I can call a family member. And we said, okay, do you have a family member that the perpetrator doesn't know where they live that you can go to and he won't be able to find you? And she was like, yes, I do. So we were like, okay. We were like, give that person a call right now. Make sure that it is okay that you can come and spend the night. And, you know, we'll make sure that, that everything's settled then. Sounds good. So she called. The person said, absolutely, 100%, come. <laughs> um, thankfully, she had her own vehicle, so she didn't have to worry about, like, calling a cab or an Uber or anything um, to get her there. And, um, you know, we made sure that she... We made sure that she had a safe place to go before we let her leave. So, you know, we... I walked her out to the, her car. Like I made sure that like she wasn't just leaving. wandering the streets, right? Yeah. That she that she wasn't doing unfortunately what Toyin did. That she was actually finding a place of refuge, going to that place. You know, obviously I couldn't follow her and make sure she got to that place. But as 
to the extent of what we could do, we did it. So it's, it bothers me a little bit that this shelter didn't take those precautionary steps to make sure that she called the case manager right there or that they called the case manager right there and said, hey, let's get her on the line with you so you can talk about where she can stay. Just like we did with the hotline. So it... it right. Again, it's a, it's right, a system thing. Failure, yes. Yeah, absolutely. There, there needs to be... Error. Right. Exactly. So I, I don't often go into detail about the perpetrators in these cases because that's not at all what this podcast is about. But I think it's important to inform you all of what kind of person Aaron Glee Jr. was before these brutal murders and how the system failed at keeping a perpetrator off the streets. Spoiler alert, he was a garbage human all along. Mm. On May 29th, 2020, Glee was arrested on an aggravated battery charge after an officer witnessed him kicking a woman in the stomach. Well, he's crap. The survivor informed police that the pair had been drinking and that Glee propositioned her for sex, to which she declined. The police report states, quote, she told him no, so Glee became angry, shoved her to the ground, and began kicking her in the abdomen. Wow, what a piece of crap. Yep. Jeez. He was also arrested on another battery charge just a day prior... A 911 call came in stating Glee had hit another man who was still on the scene and asked to press charges. Authorities were able to apprehend Glee and read him his rights, and all three witnesses to the altercation identified Glee as the assailant. An officer took photos of the victim's face and observed that it, that it looked as though he had injuries consistent with being punched in the face, though the officer also stated he found no evidence on Glee's hands that he punched someone. Glee. Well, that's easy to hide, though. You can hit people without, you know, right. leaving but, evidence on yourself. But my point is that, like, he's making it like, oh, well, no, this guy wasn't the wasn't the perpetrator, even though we have all these witnesses saying that he definitely right. was. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Glee was ultimately placed in jail after the incident with the female victim, but was released after a, a quote, incomplete evaluation that did not include a customary score for his risk of fleeing or committing more crimes. Leon County officials said that Glee was combative in jail and was deemed a risk for an interview with pretrial release staff. So they released him? Yeah. They released him because they weren't sure if he was going to try to leave. So they let so, him leave. So they let him leave. That's like saying, you know what? We're not sure if the dam we're going to build here is going to work, so we're just not going to build the dam. Right. Then the water's going to go where you don't want it to go. Right. Like, what? So he assaults somebody, essentially gets arrested for it, and then they're like, meh, there's really no evidence that he actually committed this, so we're going to let him go. And then the next day, <laughs> assaults another person gets arrested, but then gets released from jail. Right. For being combative. <sighs> right. Because they couldn't do a proper assessment on him. Right. Then he should go to, like, extra jail. <laughs> like, we're not, like, he's a huge jerk, and he might try to, like, escape from jail and stuff. So let's just let him go? 
No, you put him in like solitary. Yeah. Like you it's, put him like you put him in like maximum security. It's like, like all those times where you hear like, oh, there was a clerical error and this person got released. Yeah. Like seriously. What? Which is effing bonkers. There should never be clerical errors. There should be so many people who are doing quality assurance. Yes. Yeah. I I don't understand. And again, it's just to point out that there is a complete failure in the system. The system yeah. needs to be fixed from the bottom up. Everything needs to be overhauled because clearly it's not working. Literally, they just let this guy out of jail. And then two weeks later, not even, sorry, a week later, he abducts two people. Right. Good job, guys. Well done. Way to protect and serve. What? Way to prevent further harm. Did your jobs really well. Glee was ultimately found and apprehended around the Orlando area in connection with the murders of Toyin and Victoria. He had purchased a one-way ticket to West Palm Beach, and Orlando police were able to intercept him at a Greyhound bus station. He confessed multiple times to having kidnapped and killed the two women, and waived his right to remain silent, providing officers with details of his crimes. He told investigators that he began a conversation with Toyin on June 6th at a bus stop. She informed him she was sexually assaulted earlier that day, and he offered to take her to his house to bathe and sleep. The same M.O. as the man who sexually assaulted her that morning. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, don't accept that offer. I guess she just... Needed anything. Well, she, yeah, she needed anything, and I think she just really had faith in people. I guess so. I, I mean, mean I she how... was a very religious person. Um, she, like, grew yeah, up in, in church and everything. So yeah. I think that she just really thought these people were trying to help her. Right. That sucks. <laughs> he then arranged for Victoria to pick him and Toyin up at a bus stop. At approximately 7.07 p.m., Victoria's white Toyota was seen on surveillance video arriving in the area of the bus stop. Glee and Toyin are then seen leaving in that vehicle moments later. Glee informed police that after arriving at his rental home, Toyin took a shower and he attempted to have sex with her. But she tried to fight him off. He said she had physically resisted and actually bit him during the struggle. So good for you, Toyin. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's what happens when you try to rape someone. They bite you. Yeah, they should. Mm -hmm. But Glee was able to overpower her. And when asked if he would characterize his actions as rape, he responded in the affirmative, according to the police report. He then continued, explaining he tied Toyin up and imprisoned her in his home for three to five days. And he wasn't exactly sure how long it was because he was heavily intoxicated. Apparently this entire time he was wow. heavily intoxicated. Jeez. He would release her at times to eat and bathe, but would sexually assault her numerous times during those days. 
He said he knew he would be arrested and likely go to prison if he allowed Toyin to leave. So he had to kill her. Jeez. He bound her in a manner he thought would cause her death and left her in the bedroom. He would enter the bedroom several times to check to see if she was still alive. And after several hours, went to check for the last time and determined she was indeed deceased. Wow, that's crazy how, like, methodical and, like, logical his entire process was as he's doing this horrible thing. Jeez. That's that's crazy. That's, like, the scariest part of the whole thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and as for Victoria, police believe Glee ransacked her apartment, kidnapped her, and stole her vehicle, and then ultimately killed her as well. Well, right, because obviously if he's aware that, you know... You can't have witnesses, then... Exactly. Jeez. So, in my notes... <laughs> first, I'm sure he killed her so that she could not trace him back to Toyin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So, such an even more unfortunate thing, because Victoria... Complete bystander. I'm, that's all it was. Yeah. That's all it was. And second... I do not understand the timeline, and this is what I'm talking about, what I talked about before. So I was reading that, like, the police report was saying two different things. So I don't, I don't understand this. So Toyin supposedly met Glee at the bus stop on June 6th, which is the day she was sexually assaulted and the day she went missing. So that was the day she was reported missing. He claims to have met her that day. And she's seen on surveillance video on that day, getting into Victoria's vehicle with Glee. Allegedly, he's saying he kept her captive in his home until he murdered her for at least three to five days. Mm -hmm. But reports also claim that on June 8th, so two days after he allegedly, or not allegedly, he kidnapped her, she went to the Kearney Center to find shelter. And so, and the, the Kearney Center says she was there when they talked to investigators. Okay. They said she was there on June 8th. Okay. So how is he holding her captive on June 8th? Right. If she's at the Kearney Center on June 8th? Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It could be that there's just, there's an issue with some, with those dates. Maybe something's wrong. Some information there is incorrect or right. something. So is this another systematic failure <laughs> that somebody's not right auditing the right these reports down. properly yeah. probably or yeah. was the kearney center maybe confused about the date that she came right did she not go there at all were they lying i mean like i don't right. like what i'm yeah. i'm very confused by the timeline so i don't understand if she actually went to the Kearney Center at all. Yeah, I would imagine that she did, and it was just a clerical error. She went on the 7th or something like that. Even I mean? even if she went on the 7th. He he got to her on the 6th. On the 6th, yeah. So maybe she went on the 5th. Maybe she went on the, the 1st, and they just... Right. That's what know, I'm saying. Like, was it just... the calendar. Right. I mean, stuff happens. So I'm... I, clerical I'm hoping occur. that they will clarify that at some mm -hmm. point during this entire investigation, because that really bothers me yeah 
that we don't have a solid timeline that makes sense. Because then I'm also thinking he said that he would like release her from time to time. But like he's saying he was only releasing her to like stay around the house. Like she would go to take a shower or she would eat. But like was there a day that she left and went to the Kearney Center, but then decided she was going to go back to his house? Like, I can't imagine that. Yeah, no, that. I doubt it. I doubt it. Because it's not like he had her for long enough where she could be indoctrinated or something like that, you know? Right. So, I'm no. wondering if they... I'm wondering if they got the dates mixed up. And the morning of June 6th is when she's sexually assaulted by the first guy who claimed he would be bringing her back to the church that she had stayed at the night before. I'm wondering if she went to the Kearney Center that night before, so June 5th, mm-hmm. and then when she left in the Uber, went to the church, and then stayed at the church overnight, met up with that guy on the morning of June 6th, went to his house to shower, he sexually assaulted her, she leaves, she tweets, and then she meets up with Glee later that day. Right. Maybe that's what happened, and maybe what I'm reading, the reports are just getting the dates wrong in the in in like the news. Maybe the news is just getting the dates wrong. Mm-hmm. Because again, if they're saying that she went missing on June sixth and nobody had seen her since, then how did the Kearney Center see her on the eighth? Yeah, they didn't clearly. Right. So we I'm that. thinking that it's probably that they saw her on the fifth. That's my assumption. Yep. yep, that's reasonable. But I think I think that they just they got the dates wrong. For sure. Yeah. That would make the most sense. So how were these three connected? Glee says he knew Victoria from volunteering and that she would occasionally give him rides and bring him food. And that there is a possibility that Victoria and Toyin knew each other from their activism. But I couldn't really find a lot of reports confirming this. There were a couple saying that they met up after some of the Black Lives Matter uh, protests. But, like, there was no, like, real 100% confirmation on that. So, I'm, I'm, they were both activists. So, it wouldn't be surprising if they met up at these events. Right. But in any event, these two women never knew what was coming. Toyin believed she was being helped by a generous stranger and his friend, and Victoria believed she was helping out a friend. Right. Never knowing what Glee's true intentions were for Toyin, and ultimately for her. And to make matters worse, or better, depending how you look at it, Enzo Yaksic. Yaksic. Y-A-K-S-I-C. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> anyway, he's the founder of the Atypical Homicide Research Group, which researches serial killers. And I think that's such a cool name. Atypical Homicide Research Group. Because <laughs> they are atypical. Yes. Um, he says that given the chance, Glee absolutely would have killed again and ended up on the long list of serial killers in the United States. Because there's still that whole thing that... A- I believe it's the FBI are saying that serial killers two or more, which I still think is ridiculous. It should be three, but either way, he said, quote, that his assaults occurred over three decades and his victims were usually female. 
shows that Glee's hatred toward women, a hallmark of serial homicide, manifested gradually until it culminated in the deaths of Salu and Sims, two women who refused to comply with his demands. End quote. And Glee remains in custody with no bond. Good. But I think that's a really important point that Yakstich says. That had he finally not, had he not finally been caught. Right, absolutely. This would have escalated even further. Definitely. Because we saw the escalation happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally, he beats up a dude. I mean, this had been happening for decades, but he beats up a dude one day. Literally, the next day, he beats up a woman because he was trying to sexually assault her. Right. And then a week later, kidnaps a woman, holds her hostage, sexually assaults her multiple times, and then kills her, and then kills the witness. Yeah, for sure. This was, yeah. Such an insane escalation. For it to go very, very quickly. That quickly. Exactly. So, like, yeah, it was was for sure going to go very badly very quickly, very soon. Uh. And, you know, I saw it today... Somebody said it on Facebook, and it, it it's exactly what I say all the time. It is infuriating that it takes someone to be sexually assaulted or murdered for these cases to actually be taken seriously. Yeah. For these perpetrators to get off the, off the streets. Yeah. Why was he released after beating up two people? Yeah, seriously. What? Because right there, this whole thing could have been stopped. Right yep. there, this could, thing could have been stopped. You yep. could have recognized him as an obvious violent person mm-hmm. who needs to be detained for at least some period of time mm-hmm. and then put on some kind of parole or something right. where his behavior is monitored. Because clearly, he, he had demonstrated a propensity for violence. For Correct. random violence. Co- Correct. Correct. So. And just a quick aside, the police have said that there is... As of right now, no connection between him and the man who sexually assaulted her that morning on June 6th. Um, At first, there was the possibility, obviously people were speculating that there was a possibility that maybe he was the person who sexually assaulted her that morning. According to police, he is not. He does not meet that description. That's what they've said. So that guy's still out there. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yep. There's a rapist just walking around. What are they doing about that investigation? Probably nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. Where... How how many more people has he assaulted since... Right, that we just don't know about. Yeah. Because they're not reporting it. Right. That's... Yeah. That sucks. That's crazy. Yeah. It's no good, man. No. And the fact that she claimed she was part of a sex trafficking ring. Right. And she was sexually assaulted the day before... That June 6th sexual assault. What's but, happening like, with what all of the these investigations? What's going on in Tallahassee here? Don't go there. No. I would never have imagined. I wouldn't have imagined Tallahassee to be a hotbed of... Sexual violence? Sexual violence. Apparently it is. Don't... Yeah. Don't, don't go to Tallahassee. But, like... Why are we not hearing about what the investigations are into those perpetrators? Just to hear that they are investigating would make me a little bit more at ease. 
But the fact that we're hearing absolutely nothing, and the only thing that we've heard is that this is not the guy. That Glee is not the guy who sexually assaulted her that morning. That's the right. only thing we're hearing about it. Right. Like, that's just bad news. That's not good news. That's bad news. Are you no longer looking into this because she's dead? Probably. Probably. So now you're just like, oh, well. Right. Our one witness is gone. Meh. Right. We got nothing to go on. We're not even going to continue. Right. We know for a fact that there's a rapist walking around. But we're not going to investigate No. It. We're not going to do anything about it. No. Because why would we do police work? And I know I say this every episode, but not to get political. When people say defund the police, I just want to make this clear. They do not mean get rid of the police force. They do not mean take the entire budget away from the police. Defunding is the wrong term to be used in this case. Right. So it infuriates me that they're using that term because it's not at all what they actually mean it to mean. Right. It should be restructuring. Restructuring reorganizing the budget, reallocating funds. Right. It should be any one of those things. Right. It is not defunding. Right. Take take one tank's worth of money and put it into investigation of cold cases. Exactly. Just buy one less tank. Exactly. Buy one less case of AR-15s. Right. You don't need any more AR-15s. You've right. got plenty. <laughs> there are so many things that we can do to bring money into the police force that is so desperately needed in certain areas. And there are so many things that we can do to take money out of other areas in the police force that we don't need the budget for and put it into other areas of government safety that we need money desperately for. Yeah. So when they say defund the police and that they're going to defund and use public safety, they again don't mean that the police force is going to be obsolete. Right. Well, reasonable people don't mean. I'm sure there are no. some people that actually mean we don't need cops, and those people are stupid and you shouldn't listen to them. But when we yes. say it, well, not that we say it. <laughs> not but that we say we it. if we were to say it, what we would mean is restructure. The, the point <laughs> of defunding being said is restructuring and reallocating funds. Right. So I just want that to be out there so that people understand what that means. So who were Aluatoyan, Salu, and Victoria Sims? Victoria Sims was a 75-year-old AARP volunteer and retiree who worked with the elderly for the state of Florida, a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement and an activist for democratic politics. Victoria wanted peace. The Tallahassee AARP said, quote, Vicky worked tirelessly to improve the lives of others as a dedicated advocate for older Americans, a committed volunteer for AARP, Second Harvest Food Bank of the Big Bend and other community causes, a devoted mother and grandmother and a passionate, fully engaged citizen helping our nation to achieve its highest ideals. And Toyin was a 19-year-old student activist who was a huge part of the Black Lives Matter movement since the murder of George Floyd. She fought for justice and equality and tried to be a voice for people who needed it most. But who was Toyin's voice? Was anybody listening when she reported her multiple assaults? 
Was anybody listening when she tweeted that she had been raped in the early morning hours? Were the police investigating the multiple reports she made regarding having been violated? The system failed Toyin in so many ways at so many points. Among the belongings they found with Toyin was a piece of paper with a verse from Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, for my righteousness is of the Lord. Toyin was admired by so many, and many described her as bright and beautiful. She had plans to bridge her activism into studying law at Florida A&M. These two women were generous, kind, compassionate human beings who did not deserve what came to them. They wanted to help and heal, but were met with a destructive force. Their legacies will live on in their communities, and I truly hope they are not forgotten. Any parting words? No, just the, uh, you know, just the, I feel like it, th these are my parting words in every one of these episodes lately, is that it, it sucks that, which you just went over five minutes ago, it sucks that we, that people have to lose their lives, but the, the nice, the silver lining is that things are maybe getting done. You know, in the last episode, we talked about how, how real work was getting done, and hopefully maybe the story of Toyin and Victoria will inspire some changes. Um... Probably not, but maybe. Um, but it just sucks, you know, that, that this is what it takes. Yeah. That we're going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep talking about it. Yeah. It's you literally know, I mean, what we're here for. You know, I guess all I can say in, in parting is, like, you know, look out. Look out for your fellow humans. You know, if you see something, say something. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if, if you feel like somebody needs help, try yep. to help them. And yep. if you can't because you're afraid or whatever it may be, then yep. call 911. Yep. Or whatever it is in your area, yep. 711 or 611 or 837, who 999 knows? in the UK. 999, yeah, just call somebody and yeah. and and just try to help wherever yeah. you can because you don't, you never know, don't don't think, hey, the cops are going to take care of it because, hey, maybe they're not. Right, right. You know, so really just, yeah. just try to help, try to talk to people because they may not, you know, if you work at a shelter and somebody looks like they really need help, really please try to help them. Yes. Even if it's crowded and there's a pandemic and whatever, just just step out of line for a minute and just try to help these people if you really think that they need help. Right. You look out for people because you may stop a murder. Right. If you or anyone you know has a story that you would like to share on Blackbird, you can email us at blackbirdadvocacy at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at blackbirdadvocacy. Um, I also want to throw out there that through the month of August, we're going to be doing a deep dive into sexual violence in the military. And on a few of our episodes, we're actually going to be speaking with some women who have experienced this in the military. If you guys have any questions for them, because I really want to make this as much of a conversation about it as possible. Um, and I know that there are so many people out there who, who have questions, who maybe have had their own experiences and maybe don't understand what 
the procedures are like in the military or maybe there are people out there who are looking to go into the military and want to get a little bit more information about maybe signs that they should look out for um so if you have any questions for these women please email us uh dm us ask your questions because i really 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 want to get participation from the listeners um to to really again facilitate a real discussion about this i don't want it to just be me and dan sitting there like just interviewing this person i really i want it to be a, a conversation because right. that's what needs to happen we yeah. have to have conversations yeah we need we need to solve problems yes for for you guys yes you know we need to do good we can't just it's one thing, like she said, for us to just talk about this, to just interview these people and, and for us to just talk about it and give our own opinions and just rehash the same information that has been on other podcasts and right. other videos and whatever. That doesn't solve any problems. That doesn't serve any purpose. So, so yeah, let us know what you want to know because maybe these are things that you've been thinking about. Maybe you're serving in the military now. Maybe you're thinking about serving in the military. Um, and this is an opportunity for you to get some information to maybe keep yourself safe yes. and keep yourself informed. Correct. Because then we can actually do some good. Right. Exactly. Or you know someone who went through it. Yeah, same diff. Absolutely. You, or you, you know you someone who is going into the military. Right. Like, like, exactly. Exactly. And and it's just, it's again, it's something that we just, we need to to take the stigma away from talking about all this stuff. And that's the whole point of what Blackbird is. We, we, we want to destigmatize all of these things. We want to make sure that people understand everything that's going on because it makes you safer. Yeah, know that you have options. You know, yes. we were just we were just watching that TV show about those girls who lived with an abusive father yes. and she now as an adult just kept talking about how she had no options. Right. She just had to deal with this, and, and she even attempted suicide at one point because she had no options. Right. When, meanwhile, you want to scream through the TV at her, like, do this, do that, do the other thing. This is what I'd have done. This is what I'd have done. Yeah. Well, you know, people just don't know they have options. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, we want to we wanna try to convey to you that you do have options. Correct. <laughs> yep. You know, yep. and maybe in these, in these, in these conversations that we're going to have, we'll we'll get some information. Maybe these people that we're conversing with will, will say, hey, I wish I had done this. Yeah. And maybe that'll stick in, in your head when you're in the situation and you'll think, oh, I remember I was listening to Blackbird and this person said, I wish I had done this. I'm going to do that. And maybe you don't get abused and maybe, maybe you don't get murdered even. I mean, right. you know, it's a stretch, but hey, it's, we want to do some good here. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. So send those questions our way. Yeah. Hopefully please. we get hopefully we get some some good ones. Um, and again, I'm always available to talk on uh, on Instagram. So if you want to message me um, again at Blackbird Advocacy, I'm I'm around. I'm definitely willing to talk um, about anything. If you just you're feeling down, you want to talk to somebody, by all means, message me. Uh, also. As you know, we're talking about the whole point of Blackbird. Share this podcast with your friends and family. Because again, that's what's going to facilitate the conversations. And that's what's going to get more exposure for these topics. So that you can 
feel more comfortable talking about these things and more people will understand what they can do in these particular situations. We just want we we don't want like fame or or yeah or, we're not we're not making any money here. No, exactly. We're that's not the point of this. This is about doing good. The point of this, right, is to make sure that there are people out there who know what to do in particular situations so that they can stay safe and that they can keep their loved ones safe. Because there are plenty of people who constantly are coming to me asking me, where can I go for this thing? And that's great. That's exactly what I do. Like, I can provide that information. If you want that information, please come to me. But I do this so that that information is out there for you to use so that you don't have to search for it. Yeah, because the last thing that you want to do when you're in need is have to Google a bunch of crap. Exactly. You just want to be able to think in the moment, hey, I remember listening to this podcast yep. and they said do this. Yep. Put some hotline numbers in your phone, too. And you can put them, you know, if you're obviously in a domestic violence situation, you don't want to put in, like, domestic violence hotline. Right. Uh, call it Gary or Mary. Well, I wouldn't call, well, it, Gary. call it Gary. <laughs> well, um, unless the victim is a male okay it's not be you're you're like right. that you are right you are right um but yeah yeah call, right call it like a friend's name or right. or something or, or a veterinarian or a dentist yeah yeah exactly um but something that you, you'll obviously know that it's still a hotline and then in times of need you can just do right. a quick dial and it's, it's right there call the dentist exactly it's right there for you to 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 call you don't have to then search for it um, so, you know, just like little, little things like that, but that's, that's what we're here for. That's the purpose of us being here. And, uh, the main purpose of having Dan on here, I don't think I've ever actually explained like why we do this couples thing on here. Um, when we first started Blackbird, I had talked to Dan about the fact that, you know, I didn't want this to be about us. So, like, I didn't want it to be like, oh, we're a married couple and we have a great healthy relationship. Let's tell you guys how to have a healthy relationship. Like, I, I don't want to do that because our relationship is completely different than anybody else's relationship. And the things that we do are not necessarily the things that are going to work for everybody else. So I wanted to figure out how I could still have him involved but not make it be like some annoying, mushy, you know, like romantic hour. Like, <laughs> so having Dan here, again, facilitates conversation because when we think about sexual violence, we think about women primarily. We don't really think about men, aside from the fact that we think about men as perpetrators. We need more men to talk about these things. We need more men to change the culture of what the society thinks about sexual violence. Dan is here because he is a very enlightened man. <laughs> and that's partly why I married him because he's just, he's a very logical <laughs> and genuine person. 
And we need more people in his situation. So, you know, Dan is essentially what you would consider a privileged person. He's a <laughs> white cisgender male. So, you know. Makes you, things easier. You have all the privilege, right? Exactly. And I keep putting privilege in quotes. But anyway, so I really want to have him here because people like him need to be part of these conversations. And people like him need to start these conversations. So to have him here and to hopefully then have other men listening and going, oh, hey, there's a guy on there who's talking about these things. That makes me feel a little bit more comfortable about talking about these things. Right. Like, hey, it's okay to believe in equal rights. Right. <laughs> it's okay to believe in women's rights. Right. It's okay to believe in the rights of the LGBTQ plus community. Right. Exactly. I mean, I have conversations all the time with people that I think are perfectly good people, but they happen to be a little right-wing nutjobby. And I talk to them about this kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. And none of them are like, what? You believe in that? I'm going to punch you in the face. Right. Mm-hmm. You can see they're taken aback a little bit by it, but then they have a conversation with me right. about it. And see, that's... Because that... these are reasonable people. If these were total a-holes, they would just be like, what? That's what you believe? Right. And try to punch me in the face. And then I just wouldn't talk to them anymore. But you made a good point <laughs> there that they're slightly taken aback by it at first. Because they're not expecting it. They're just expecting me to agree with them and be like, yeah, damn exactly. liberals. And I'm like, well, actually, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. And here's why. And they'll be like, oh. <laughs> but when you think about it, when women talk about these things, nobody's like oh my God, she's talking about sexual violence. People are like, yeah, women talk about sexual violence all the time because this is something that happens to them all the time, right. unfortunately. But when a man talks about it, that's exactly it. That's my point. Right. People are like, wait, a man is talking about this? So the funny thing is, uh, a while ago, I was watching um, an episode of a podcast from a very, very popular person who does a very popular podcast. And he was talking to someone... Is it uh, the most popular podcast? It just might be. I don't really know, but it was a very, very popular podcast hosted by a dude who's the absolute man, you know, um, but he's a little right-wing nutjobby sometimes. Uh, super cool guy. Don't sue us. You can't sue us. We're not making any money. It doesn't We're matter. This is not a business right. entity. No. So I can say whatever the F I want, but I'm still, the point is, you know, he's a cool dude. He's a little right-wingy, and he was talking to a former um, service member, former military service member. And that service member was saying how, you know, when you get captured by this particular group of people, bad things happen to you, including sexual violence. Mm. And he was, like, nodding along with him, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, man, woman, gay, straight, it doesn't matter. And this, the podcast host was like, what? Even men? And it's yeah. like, he's like, yeah. He's yeah. like, it doesn't matter. He's yeah. like... I've known guys who have been captured and they've been sexually assaulted. And he's like, yeah, but even men... Like, yes, even men. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, so it just goes to show you that, like, this guy who, again, is a totally reasonable guy. He seems like a logical guy. He seems like a good person. He's like, wait, what? You, you've said something that's challenged my preconceived notion mm -hmm. of the world around me? That men are big and strong and they can fight everyone off? Like, no, guess what? You podcast host who's a pretty big dude. He's got a lot of experience in jujitsu. He's, he's a fairly tough guy. If there are three fighters with AK-47s pointed at you and they want to do that to you, they're doing it to you. Yeah. And that's a fact. Yeah. And it's you're not going to fight your way out of it and you're not going to rich your way out of it and you're not going to white guy your way out of it. It's going to happen to you. It doesn't matter. Right. So 
Let's not pretend like because you're a white guy, that's just not going to happen. Right. Exactly. You're going to fight them and die a glorious death. Like, no. Mm-hmm. There shit's going AK- to happen in a cave. There are AK-747s? No, no, no. I just misspoke. Oh. No, that would be like a, a gun with wings, maybe. Yeah, I was like, whoa. <laughs> no, there's an AK-74 and there's an AK-47. Ah, uh, okay. Made in 1947 and 74, respectively. Wait, le- Really? Yeah. That's why they're called that? Avtomat Kalashnikov, model 1947, and Avtomat Kalashnikov, model 1974. It means assault rifle from Kalashnikov, which is the guy who founded the company that designed the rifle. Guys, I know nothing about guns. I've studied them (laughs) multiple times because of my my coursework, but, like, I... Guns are so foreign to me. I know nothing. Yeah. But I did know that 747 is not a gun. It's an airplane. It's an airplane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That would be a huge gun. That would be a very, very large gun. That would be like an AC-130. Okay, see, I don't know what that is. It's like an airplane that is a gun, (laughs) basically. Okay. Yeah. Well, now we're... This is, yeah, this this isn't banter. This is just a tangent. (laughs) This This is tangent AF. Huge tangent. Uh, the point is that we were talking about having conversations with people yes. who have preconceived notions about things and you need to talk to your boys. Yes. Even if you're shooting pool and having beers yes. and somebody makes a comment that is not correct, you can correct them. Mm-hmm. And if they all like want to kick your ass about it, then don't hang out with those people. Exactly. Then they're a-holes. Exactly. You know, talk to the people who are willing to listen to you. And like you said before, talk. Just yeah. talk. Yes. People have to have these conversations or no change is ever going to be made. Exactly. So, as always, be safe. Be aware of your surroundings. Yes. Eyes on a swivel. What? Eyes on a Head swivel? Head on a swivel. Oh, okay. Eyes up. I don't know what... frosty. Well, we were talking about guns and stuff, so now, you know. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Be aware of your surroundings. Unagi. Ah. Uh, seven seven skin, roll. skin roll. Oh. I hope you're all still with us. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're done. <laughs> um. I hope our dogs are still with us. Oh, yeah. All right. We gotta go. Yeah. So, uh. See you next week. Peace.